Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Look at with me, if you will, at Galatians 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty, wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you, that you should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is this offense of the cross ceased. I would that they would even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This morning, uh, I want to share with you from this passage of Scripture the circumstances first. Paul is the golden boy of... Uh, well, Paul was the golden boy of the Jewish traditional, traditional uh, establishment. Uh, when he was Saul, before he uh, came to encounter Christ on the road of, uh, towards Tarsus, uh, Saul was, was their it guy. He was the guy they all expected to be the next leader uh, the next uh, person to, in today's terms, he would have been the it guy. He would have been the guy that, that everybody was riding their hopes on. He was a student of the law. He knew the law up one side and down the other. He was uh, had sat at the feet of some of the greatest uh, teachers. and He had uh, spent time under their tutelage and he had uh, he had learned all that they could teach. and He had spent time also serving uh, in doing things, he, he even uh, was zealous for the faith. And, and what zealous meant was, in those terms in those days, meant that Saul went about and made sure that everybody was following the law as they were supposed to, following the traditional faith, following along in the tradition of things. 
And Paul was so zealous that, uh, I mean, Saul was so zealous, uh, if you remember, that he was going out and incarcerating believers who were following after Jesus Christ. And uh, they were known as the people of the way. And uh, Saul was going out and he was uh, bringing them back in chains. He had the legal authority. He was like a bounty hunter. He was going out with the uh, letters from the Sanhedrin and he was uh, going out and uh, he was bringing them back in and they were uh, being persecuted and they were being uh, tortured and, and in hopes that they would recant and turn back to uh, following uh, the law and following everything that was going on. And, and so when Paul met Jesus and his life was dramatically transformed, of course he, he, he was so transformed that, that God changed his name for one thing. And this is part of, uh, you know, this is something like uh, what happens when someone makes a, a covenant. Uh, remember when uh, Abram uh, encountered God and, and uh, Abram was, had his name changed from Abram to Abraham uh, to reflect the blessing of God upon his life. And this was something that happened several times, uh, you know, uh, uh, on uh, a general basis whenever a covenant was made from like a king, a monarch, a, a lord, somebody that had great authority towards someone else, they many times would either uh, have their name changed and it would reflect the name of the benefactor or it, re it would ha include part of that person's name or it would include uh, something that would indicate uh, the, the covenant that was made. And so this wasn't necessarily a covenant, but uh, Saul's life was so changed that his his name was changed, and and he began to go out and instead of persecuting believers, he was trying to support them and lift them up, and and so when he began to do these missionary journeys, he would have these people that were of the Jewish uh, tradition following after Paul and uh, telling people, uh, well, they, he would rile, they would rile up people to, to persecute Paul. They would rile up the communities to, uh, to uh, do things to, uh, to cut down the things that he taught. Uh, a lot of times when Paul would go through these groups would come behind him and they would teach contrary to what Paul was teaching. And this is a little bit about what Paul is dealing with in, Gal in Galatia. Uh, in Galatia, they had Judaizers. And, and if you're familiar with that term, uh, it says it all. Basically, it was people that were following after Paul and saying, look, Paul didn't get a chance to tell you everything you had to do. You had to first become a Jew and then you can become a Christian. And so they, they were going behind Paul and trying to add to what Paul was teaching to try and convince people that, okay, you have to become a Jew. You have to start giving the temple tax. You have to start doing all these things, following the law of Moses. You have to fall under the authority of the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and uh, you have to go through all that process and then you can become a Christian, and you, then you can follow what Paul is saying. And so uh, Paul here is writing this church uh, in Galatia, and he's telling them uh, that they need to... And, 
And what he's basically battling here are those Judaizers, those people who are following after him. And, and he's trying to help them to understand that, that they have a freedom, a liberty in Christ. And that's important for us today because there's a lot of churches that are losing the opportunity to minister to people in the community because they're holding fast to what is nothing more than tradition. We have a tradition of meeting in a a room that has carpet everywhere and has uh, padded pews and has a choir loft and has has a baptistry. You know, we would be a church just as much as we are today if we let, uh, were meeting out here underneath this tree and having services over here. We would be a church just as much as we are a church today if we were meeting in a uh, barn and having services in a barn. We would be a church just as much as we are today if we were come together and we were meeting in an empty warehouse or in a, in a business office or in a storefront or in a school or in any number of other environments. It doesn't mean uh, just because we uh, traditionally sing hymns out of the hymn book and uh, have padded pews and have stained glass windows doesn't mean that those are the things that make us a church, make us a body of believers. Uh, We are a fellowship of believers and so we don't need to be so caught up in the concept of wearing a suit and tie to church and I'm glad that you aren't that way. You, You know, there's some of you who wear a suit and tie. I wear a suit and tie because I've. That's how I was brought up. That was how I was. I, I feel more comfortable standing here and preaching to you in a suit and a tie than I would if I was here in khakis and a and a polo shirt and a jacket. I it just. I I know I did it that one time or two times, but it, it I didn't feel comfortable doing it, and uh, uh, I feel like uh, I, I'm not. Uh, doing what I'm supposed to do. But I could stand here in in a a dress shirt without a tie and uh, some slacks and I'd preach the Word just as authentically as if I was standing here in a suit and tie. My suit and tie doesn't make what I say more authoritarian than if I'm standing here without a tie and without a jacket. Uh, and let me just tell you, uh, I, I've actually preached at one time, and I'm not going to do this here, don't worry, but I've actually preached a service in a uh, polo shirt and uh, cargo pants. Or uh, one time I was in uh, some of those... Uh, Long shorts, you know, that uh, have the big pockets on the side and everything, um, and tennis shoes. Uh, it it doesn't just because of what you wear doesn't make you any more or less uh, able to worship God. What's important is is what's on the inside, what's on in the heart. And and look, but if if my standing here in. Uh, uh, Yerks and and preaching to you and and 
some Bermuda shorts and a, and a t-shirt is going to keep you from hearing what God's Word has to say, then that's when it starts to get uh, to be a problem. And Paul here is dealing with the freedom that we have. He says to the church in Galatia, stand fast in your liberty. Stay fast. He, he taught them that they didn't have to, uh, to have circumcision in order to... Uh, uh, now, what is he talking about? He's talking about these people who are not Jewish by birth. He's talking to uh, people who are uh, who are, are Gentiles and they're not Jewish. And he says, "Look, God didn't include you in that covenant of being Jewish." But you can still accept Christ into your heart and life. You can still follow after Christ. Don't feel as though you have to have this circumcision in order to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. He said, and, and what the point he's getting at in these verses is something that is uh, vitally important for us today. He says, Stand firm in the liberty that Christ has made you free. Don't get entangled with these things that would seek to simply just pull you back down. Listen, don't get so caught up in and the traditions of the church. Don't get so caught up in, uh, you know, we don't have to sing uh, these hymns from the 1700s in order to have worship. Um, we can worship with those songs or choruses. We don't have to uh, 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 study out of the King James Bible. We can study out of an, another translation of the Bible as long as it's a faithful translation of the Word of God. Don't allow those uh, traditional things to get in the way of uh, worshiping God, of, of having a relationship with God. Don't allow those things to pull you down. Paul talks about them as being a yoke, something that has to be, uh, that is a part of bondage that would uh, keep you from enjoying the fellowship that you have with God. He says, um, those things don't profit you anything. They don't get you any closer to God. They don't cause you to have a greater relationship with God. They don't cause you to, to have a, a closer uh, foundation in your faith. He says those are simply works. These are things that are, are related to doing things. And he says that has nothing to do with your faith. And, and that's where it comes in clear for us. We, we, uh, w the whole issue of circumcision is not an issue for us today. We don't have to worry about uh, that kind of thing. But that was all about the tra tra tradition of being a part of the Jewish faith. And Paul is teaching about the fact that those kind of physical things, those, uh, those works uh, are, do not make you into a Christian. Walking down the aisle doesn't make you a Christian. Shaking the pastor's hand and, and saying you want to follow in believer's baptism, uh, those things don't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is the decision that you've made in your heart to follow after Christ. Your decision to accept His gift of salvation. Your decision to make Him Lord of your life. Those are things that make you a child of God. Walking down the aisle, shaking my hand, uh, saying that you want to, uh, going through the vote, all of those things are things that we associate 
associate with, with our practice of church, but those aren't things that are necessary uh, to be a part of the family of God. Now, uh, those might have things, uh, those might relate to being a member of a church. And, you know, being a member is totally, completely different from being a Christian, being saved. Uh, we have a certain way in which we do things simply because uh, that's how we've, uh, we do them. It does, they're not related to salvation, but that's just the way we go about the process. And we don't need to allow the process to get confused with the salvation found in Jesus Christ. And so Paul here is is helping them to remember that they don't need to get involved in this process, these works-based things that would uh, cause them to get bogged down in... And see, Paul understood too that circumcision was just the first step. It was just the first step that they, uh, and if they had yielded to circumcision, then they'd say, okay, well, you've got to come and you have to have a prayer shawl and you need to come and worship in Jerusalem. You can't worship anywhere else. You've got to uh, uh, say your prayers in a certain way. You've got to be ritualistically clean. You've got, and all these laws that the Jewish people followed were standing right behind the practice of circumcision. It wasn't necessarily that Paul was against the practice of circumcision, he knew that that was the beginning step that these Judaizers would take to uh, forcing uh, these new believers to getting bogged down in all the uh, minutiae of the law of only work, uh, walking so many uh, paces on uh, the Sabbath day, of, of making sure that they follow all these rules that were supposed to mean uh, would, would be focused around trying to uh, follow the law. And Paul says, look, you don't need to, to do those things because those are all works. He says, make sure that you remain in faith. This is the key for us. We need to stay in our faith. Continue to work in love and through faith. Do well that we shouldn't be hindered. Make sure that we are following after Christ in faith. The things that we do. Now, we've gone out into the community and shared with people. We've gone out and, and shared uh, you know, small gifts of, of uh, encouragement to people to try and get them to come. We've done a lot of those things. But, you know, we don't gain our salvation. And nobody here would say uh, that's a part of our salvation. But there are people in the world that would say, oh, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to do these things. Those, that's a work-based faith. We don't believe in that, but what we do believe in is, is that our love for Christ should demonstrate itself in being willing to go out and follow uh, the direction of Jesus Christ to go and share in love. We, it, it could mean in a lot, uh, it could manifest itself in a lot of different ways as long as we're sharing the love of Jesus Christ, as long as we're going out and sharing the love of Christ. He says, our hope is not in these works, but in the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, he says, if you allow yourself, verse 6 and verse 7, he says, if you allow yourself to simply uh, focus on the works of circumcision and other things like that, then you're destined to, to be drawn in to this work-based 
uh, uh, philosophy, this work-based way of trying to gain your salvation. Paul says that's, you, you won't receive salvation that way. He says it's through uh, you gain your righteousness in faith in Christ Jesus through the grace of God. Uh, verse 10 says, Paul says, I have confidence in you that through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. He says, I have confidence that you will be single-minded in uh, my teaching uh, that it is through faith. But he that troubleth you, he says, the people that are coming behind and and teaching you, uh, those people will receive the judgment, whoever it might be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? he says, look, it, it doesn't stop with just simply circumcision. He says, um, we, we can't do anything that would go contrary to the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't do anything. Don't, uh, he says, don't believe in these, uh, these teachings that have anything to do contrary to the Word of God. Don't... Uh, and, to the cross of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Um, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only, uh, and today we're called to that liberty as well. We're called to the liberty of not being uh, mandated by rules and mandated by uh, strict structure. We, we're not... Uh, we, we don't have to follow any guidelines or, or any uh, set format set, aside, set up by anyone. All that we have to do is follow in the direction of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, the faith, our faith through uh, 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 Jesus Christ, the salvation that we have in Him, the love that we have. And Paul says, look, we don't need to uh, live outside of that liberty. He, said, he gives a warning though, verse 13, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. He warns this liberty can cause you to have a situation in your life where you feel as though, well, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to do... Uh, and, and if we were to put it in terms today, uh, you have some people that use this liberty to go overboard. Uh, well, I don't have to go down there to that church and worship with them to be in church. No, you don't. Uh, I don't have to go to church at all. Well, that's the problem where they've allowed their liberty to go too far. Uh, It's not a matter of of sitting in a church that has pews and uh, padding on the pews and singing hymns out of a hymn book or standing up and sitting down a certain number of times in services or anything like that. None of that has anything to do with worship. But we do find fellowship with one another. We do find encouragement by being with one another. We do worship when we come together corporately to worship together. And let's just be honest. A lot of these people that say, well, I don't have to do all those things. I can worship God just as well in the deer stand or out out there fishing on my bass boat. I I can worship God just as well doing all those things. I can worship God at home. Yes, you can, but let me ask you, do you? That's right. Most times they don't. Most, most times those folks do not ever... Look, you can worship God anywhere you are at any time. 
You can worship. And, and, and look, the scripture says you ought to. You ought to worship God. But there's just a sense of God's presence more when we come together. When God and God calls us together, God calls us to to unite in fellowship with one another, to unite in worship together. And it's so important that we do. And that's a, a, a an example of using this liberty and allowing it to go too far when we do something like that with saying, well, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Yeah, you don't have to do it, but worship is so much greater. Isn't it it so much more pleasant, more uh, uplifting, more uh, encouraging when we come together as a body of believers? Don't we help one another so much by just simply coming and sharing our burdens with one another, simply coming together and allowing one another to pray for us and and to pray for others? We grow in our fellowship. We grow in our coming together to worship God uh, because we use that time to edify one another, to lift each other up, and to encourage one another, and to and to be a strength for each other. And so uh, Paul says, don't allow this liberty to cause you to fall into flesh, uh, to fall into the things of the world, but by love serve one another for all of the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we're called to love. Love one another. We're called to serve one another. We're called to, uh, to live in service to one another. And as we go forward, I think the most important thing that we can glean from what Paul is talking about, this liberty, is don't allow... Uh, we don't need to allow uh, the... Traditions. We don't need to allow uh, the way we always always have done this or that to get in the way of ministering, of service to God, of service to to one another. Don't allow this uh, these things to to get in the way of living for Jesus, of serving God. We need to ensure that we do all to the glory of God, that we need to uh, live in service and love to one another. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Let's join together in prayer as we ask God to bless us.